Welcome, friend, to Godly Voice Notes, a podcast which explores how we can live holy lives as ordinary people called to live extraordinarily in Christ Jesus. May this be a sacred space of informal and rich conversation in which we fearlessly address gritty issues with sincerity, fun and practical application. I hope that together we grow, question and pray on this journey deeper into our God-given faith and that through it we are equipped to become more God-fearing, spirit-hungry and biblically grounded. part one of a two-part series on the topic of integrity with our guest Renee. Welcome Renee to the Godly Voice Notes podcast. It is such a pleasure having you here today. I know we've both been looking forward to this and we've had some sort of preparatory conversations. So welcome and do you want to tell us why you've chosen the name Renee today? So as anyone who hears my voice might notice, um, <laughs> I have a slight accent, which means that I wasn't born in the UK. Um, and I thought that Rene is not a typical British name, but also it has links to my mum's name and to the meaning of being reborn. And I just kind of love that. I uh, love the um, idea that we are new creations in Jesus and the link to my family and my mom's name is also directly linked to my name so it has a link to that as well. Oh that's such an amazing story and I know we've just been having a long conversation about the meanings of names and changes to names in the Bible and um, perhaps we might need to do another podcast episode on that at some point because it's really (laughs) really fascinating. Great so we are going to be speaking today on the topic of integrity and this is something I really wanted to be in conversation with you about because I think you model it really well. As you said you you aren't from the UK and therefore you've had to navigate different cultures and it's hard to know how to do that in terms of keeping your central integrity, keeping the person you are whilst navigating different cultures. Um, is this a topic you've thought much about or that you relate to? To be completely honest, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never before you asked me about this. And when you first approached me with trying to do a podcast together, I was trying to think of, you know, small, bite-sized topics, something <laughs> that felt very manageable, yeah. very, like, easily circumscribed and yeah. easily describable. And when I suggested a few and then you came back with a voicemail saying, oh, that sounds like we should talk about integrity. I was literally <laughs> like, how <laughs> did you come up with that? Yeah, this very small, um, neat topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, no, but honestly, thank you for making me think about that because uh, I think it was and it is a good challenge and Mm -hmm. a worthwhile challenge. So, yeah, really (laughs) excited for this. Me too. Even if you think it's a very big topic, I know that it's something that you have a lot to say about that you um, have to share. So I'm excited to get into conversation on this one. So we thought, first of all, we talk about the meaning of the word integrity. For me, it just instantly makes me think of integers, as in the numbers in mathematics, because integers are whole numbers and they're full and they're indivisible. And 
I think for me as a Christian, when I first became a Christian, I felt broken and I felt empty. And I saw in people who were Christians a wholeness that I wanted. And that was what changed in my life. I became whole and therefore, I guess I became an integer. (laughs) I'm still becoming an integer. (laughs) I think that's amazing. And that's so true. And um, I love that. The idea of wholeness doesn't come from any inner quality that, that we possess, but mm. it, it comes from the character of God and that he gives us wholeness. He fills in all the cracks. Mm. He, um, We are complete in him. When I was trying to find out the actual meaning of integrity, because I was like, does she think, <laughs> is she thinking about what I am thinking about? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> <laughs> also defined as like a quality of being honest and mm. having strong moral principles which kind of got me thinking that now when we talk about strong moral principles we can ask a hundred people and we can get a different question yeah. if we look at the current secular moral principles and what mm. is considered to be correct or not mm. um such a polarized time um, looking at the US elections or what is happening uh, everywhere around the world that actually knowing where our moral principles are Mm -hmm. coming from and what they are is really important and as Christians our moral principles and our core values are coming from the Bible and from the character of Jesus and what we see there and I think that is such a comfort knowing that what the standards were mm. thousands of years ago and what our core values are now and um, what they should be in hundreds of years and just how can we live them out in the current climate. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the environment we live in, the society we live in, it feels like things change so quickly. The morals of all sorts of things, even in our generation, the morals surrounding gender, sexuality, all sorts of things Mm. have changed very quickly. And whether you think for the positive or the negative, it can feel like shifting sands. Mm -hmm. I remember at uh, medical school, actually, in an ethics class, we were having a massive debate and I love ethics, as you know. And afterwards, I was talking to one of my housemates and she said she finds those discussions really hard because she says every time there's a new topic, she's not really sure what to think. And she has to think about long and hard. What does she think? What do other people think? And she said, actually, I'm a bit jealous of you as a Christian. You have a moral framework Mm -hmm. through which you can work through any problem. And I just thought, wow, how amazing that she can see that. And the Christian values do stand strong. They're ancient, whatever you think of them, whether they're Mm -hmm. hard to swallow sometimes, they're unchanging in a society that changes so much. Mm -hmm. Actually, culturally or historically, Christian values have usually been countercultural, mm. um, and hundreds of years ago, they would have been considered too progressive, um, yes. giving a lot of freedom to women. And William Wilberforce yes. and um, end of slavery that was really countercultural at yes. that time. Whereas I think now we are, or the society is going just like so deep into relativism mm. that claiming that something is solid and true and that it is the ultimate unchanging truth that is now the counter-cultural point of view. No, absolutely. And 
I feel so proud of those people, those champions of the faith who have transformed our world for the better. And although they felt progressive and we might seem traditionalist, what's true is true. And that reminds me of the Bible verse where it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Ephesians 4, 14. And I think that integrity for a Christian is withstanding those waves that crash against us, whether it's, you know, super, super liberal, super conservative or whatever it is. And just remembering we stand strong in something that's unchangeable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what does integrity look like to you? So in my mind, integrity is often linked to hardship, um, to proving something in the face of resistance and often going against the flow of the expected or against current cultural practices. And I think, as we mentioned, Christian values often go against the current tide. And initially, when I was thinking about some of the characteristics which I link with the identity of Christians, I was thinking of them as nice, cheerful, charitable, helpful, And those are all important and we should be modeling these characteristics. Mm -hmm. But I think they also reduce the complexities of our emotions and complexities of interactions in the Bible and even Jesus's interactions with people. We should be charitable and we should be cheerful, but that's not the end point. It should be coming from us being rooted in Jesus and being charitable but also discerning what are we giving money and time to is it really a good cause do we really need to be cheerful all the time no we should be mourning with those who are mourning we should be angry in the face of injustice we should be speaking out and often I think as Christians or when I was thinking about it I don't associate Christians with resistance Mm. or with anger and yet we see Jesus in the temple overthrowing tables and getting angry. Yes. And there are so many causes that we just know that Jesus would be angry about. Mm. He would be angry about racial oppression. Yes. And he would be angry about abortion causes. And I think as Christians, we often try to navigate the line between righteous anger and this facade of niceness and kindness yeah. too carefully and don't really let our emotions out. And yeah. I know that emotions, when um, they're unleashed without discernment, can be really damaging. Of course. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes we are a bit too careful. Yeah, I agree. We see Jesus as this meek, mild infant, whereas actually he was a revolutionary. He was you know causing unrest amongst the government and against the religious people of the day he was overturning tables he was getting angry he was calling pharisees a brood of vipers you're right there is righteous anger god's angry about some things and we should we should be angry with him you know that's part of doing his will so i totally agree i totally agree and if we if we water down christianity and make it lukewarm no one's going to be interested in it because it's not true it's not real it's not It's not truly compassionate to not be angry about the climate change and about racial injustice because actually that's not compassionate. It's just denying. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Jesus is an amazing example of integrity. He must be the perfect example of integrity for 
he is part of the godhead the three in one he has a way of being part of something whilst also distinct from it he has integrity of fullness of humanity whilst also the fullness of divinity I think we have so much to learn from him and sometimes I'm surprised about how he reacts to people he seems to react to some people very differently to others so Mm. using those harsh words with the Pharisees and yet a woman caught in the act of adultery he speaks with such gentleness you know he who is without Mm. sin cast the first stone and he says he's not going to cast a stone and I love that Jesus discerns how to speak to each person it's not that he's being a different person to each of them but he's knowing that we each need a different reaction and we have different things to learn he Um, meets them where they are at not where he is at and I know another example we both pulled out was Daniel and other characters in the book of Daniel because they were people who had to adjust to a completely different culture completely different language and were expected to toe the party line and some things they did accept whereas others they push back against. Yeah, it starts straight from the beginning of Daniel 1 as Nebuchadnezzar, when he besieged Jerusalem, he captured the young men from uh, noble families and he brought them back into Babylon. And when they were moved to this new land and culture, uh, they had to learn new language and they had an assigned amount of food and wine mm-hmm. and they had their day structured based on the training and teaching and they were also given new names. Nebuchadnezzar basically wanted to bulldoze over their identities and yeah. build them in an image that fits with best of the Babylonian culture. And straight from chapter one in Daniel, we see Daniel and his friends that they complied to some of the culture, mm-hmm. but they also wisely chose when to uh, set themselves apart from it and when to kind of subtly undermine that and and so show that their identity is not in Mm. this new identity and I love that even though it was something as small as um, they initially refused the best food and wine which was offered to them it's not directly mentioned in the Bible, whether that was because the food was consecrated to the idols, even though we assume that there was a deeper meaning behind that. But they refused to eat it. And not only did they do it in, um, they didn't do it in a hidden way. They didn't eat the vegetables from the side of the plate, but they actually went to the official and said, look, we're not going to do this. We are not going to follow this rule. And I just really love that, that they acted differently, but they also explained that that was because their identity was not going to be molded by this new culture. And I think we were both then mentioning that in the later chapter, when uh, Daniel and his friends um, were asked to worship the gods idol as the royal decree ordered, and they didn't do it. And so they were going to be thrown into the furnace. And they said that the God we serve is able to save us from the furnace and he will rescue us from the hand of the king. But even Even if he doesn't, Mm. they will not serve their gods or worship the image of God. And I just loved that they acted differently, but they also explained it to everyone around them. And so nothing was hidden and their integrity was fully on display. Yeah. to the authorities there yeah. but at the same time both Daniel and his friends had really high position in mm. the 
government and they were working to build Babylon up as yeah. the empire. Uh, they were civil servants and they were helping the political superpower, yeah. which we associate with something evil, mm. but they were doing it in a way which was faithful to God. And I think that's such um, an encouragement that sometimes in our workplaces, we mm. can be part of structures and institutions where we might not agree with all the yeah. top decisions, but we can still live and work and act there as people of God mm. and be agents of change and do it distinctively. And I think that's a real challenge for me that sometimes even if I do something differently and act differently, I often stay away from explaining that it's actually coming from my Christian principles. Yeah. And that is something that I need to just get better at and ask God to help me to get better at. Because whenever I have worked with my seniors who were Christian and actually spoke out against Mm -hmm. something and explained that it's going against their Christian principles, me as a more junior person in the institution was just so encouraged to see that we can do this and um, it might disadvantage us but ultimately it's about whether when we go to bed at night can I sleep with clear conscience and can I say that today I tried my best to give God the glory that he deserves. Absolutely and although we can show Jesus in our actions sometimes we do need to explain because as you said our actions can be so countercultural our beliefs because of the bible because of jesus can be so countercultural that it, it can look quite confusing to everyone else like what did nebuchadnezzar think when he saw some of his civil servants not bowing down to the idol he would be yeah. thinking they're disrespecting me whereas actually their lives did respect him they learned the culture they learned the language they took on those names but they honoured God. And once King Nebuchadnezzar's demands conflicted with that, that's where their integrity came in. And so by saying we serve God and he will save us, and even if he doesn't save us, we're still going to serve him. When they were saved, Nebuchadnezzar gave all the glory to God because he knew why they'd stood in that way. And I think in our British culture, we're so afraid to say the name God and Jesus sometimes that we just look really weird to our culture and they don't really understand why. Yeah, yeah. And I think also on the flip side, it's quite easy to see just good and kind non-believers who are speaking against certain causes or speaking for other causes. Mm. We could be just considered one of those more moral or more righteous people um, in inverted commas just because we are nice or kind and so speaking out that no this is coming from our beliefs and and our faith can set us apart from all the other millions of really kind people because kindness is not reserved just for Christians absolutely and we need to acknowledge that there are so many good causes um, which are done really well by non-Christian organizations or organizations of other faiths. And so unless we claim that we are doing the good work that we're doing in the name of Jesus, people might not realize. Absolutely. And as you were speaking about, um, you know, the stories from Daniel, 
the thing that really resonates with me is that we see Daniel praying on his prayer mat multiple times a day and we see him in the lion's den and he was serving the same God in both. And actually, yeah, it's not very public him praying at home, but that practice, that discipline served him so well when push came to shove in that we need to practice our integrity in all seasons, in the easy seasons and in the hard seasons. And sometimes it has to be private. Sometimes it has to be public. And the verse I'm reminded of, which I think helped brings that Old Testament story into our New Testament understanding is from 2 Corinthians 4. In verse 8, it says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That verse shows me that even when we are being pressed on every side, and life feels like that sometimes, life must have felt like that when Daniel was shoved in the lion's den, when um, the others were in the fire. Actually, what is true in that moment when we're hard pressed? The truth for us as post-Jesus Christians is that we carry around the death of Jesus in our body. That is our integrity and that will never change the end of part one on integrity with our guest Renee. Tune in next week for part two. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me for this podcast today. I pray you've been inspired, encouraged and challenged. If so, please subscribe to the podcast and tune in next week for a brand new episode. Also, if you know anyone else who you think would find it useful, then please share this with friends, families and your church groups. Feel free to contact us with any topic ideas or if you feel inspired to come on as a guest. Most importantly, go out this week and shine like stars for the Lord.